The following KQED production was produced in high definition. Who can deny it? Human beings have a certain fascination with destruction. Collisions, explosions, they're an undeniable guilty pleasure. And for a lucky few at NASA, destruction is actually part of their job description. I blast things. I've done this since I've been a kid. That's exactly what I'm doing now. I'm a grown up and I still play in the sandbox. Uh, I get to throw things at very high velocity. This is Peter Schultz's playground, the vertical gun range at NASA Ames Research Center in Mountain View. For more than 30 years, Schultz and his team have been loading projectiles into this 30-foot steel barrel mounted on a lifting arm. Then they fire them into small models of planetary surfaces. Today's focus is a surface we first walked on 40 years ago. And our return may lay to rest one of the great mysteries that lies beneath its surface. The new unmanned mission is LCROSS, short for Lunar Crater Observation and Sensing Satellite. It's scheduled to launch from Cape Canaveral, Florida in May 2009. The mission will send a school bus-sized rocket slamming into a lunar crater at more than 5,000 miles an hour, creating a plume of debris 40 miles high. This high-velocity collision owes a debt to NASA's Lunar Prospector, which in 1998 found one of water's key ingredients in an unlikely place. It could only detect hydrogen. It couldn't say anything about what form that hydrogen was in. It could be water ice. It could be hydrated minerals like clays or salts that contain hydrogen. But it was unambiguous that there was hydrogen at the poles. There might be water ice there. Ice on the moon? Wait a minute. The nearly 50 pounds of moon rocks brought back by Apollo 11 in 1969 confirm that the moon is bone dry. But both the Apollo astronauts and the lunar prospector, the latter armed with a neutron spectrometer, could only excavate and analyze the lunar soil to a depth of three feet. This time, Elcross will dig deeper with the force of its impact into one of the coldest, darkest regions of the moon. And what if there is water? Water makes up sort of the foundational building blocks for living on the land on the moon. A half liter bottle of water on average might cost $15,000 to bring it to the moon, all right? That's crazy. What if the water was there? You could be using it to create fuel and use the moon as a launching point to go to other places. The U.S. government has even made building a moon base by 2020 a priority. And with Japan, India, and China's recent space launches, we're not alone in our journey back to the moon. But our hunt is for lunar water ice, which may have accumulated from billions of years of impacts with icy comets. And Elcross, a mission big on vision but short on time and money, intends to find it. 
we were able to get the spacecraft development down into the 27, 28 month time frame, which is really very fast. In order to do it that fast though, you're not doing a bunch of custom designs and development. You are leveraging everywhere you can. So LCROSS had to be what I called early on a glue mission. And that is you take things that are available, you glue them together, you attach them in as simple a way as you can. It also helps if you're piggybacking on another mission. In this case, LRO, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. In 2005, LRO was upgraded to a larger launch rocket, freeing up 2,000 pounds of payload. A call was put out at NASA, and the team at Ames beat out 18 other agencies with their proposal to use that extra payload to search for water on the moon. Their proposal suggested a novel use for an adapter ring normally used to connect objects to a rocket. We joke that it's a sewer pipe, right? It's a big over-designed piece of pipe that has holes in it. What if you took that and instead made that the basic structure of a spacecraft? And on each of those ports, you have different functionalities. These are um, some of the LCROSS cameras. LCROSS payload scientist Kimberly Aniko and her colleagues will use a suite of cameras and spectrometers aboard LCROSS. These instruments will sift through the plume of debris kicked up from the impact, searching for water vapor, hydrogen, and other clues. They'll stream their data back to mission control for just four crucial minutes. After that, LCROSS will also crash into the moon. Neither impact will damage the moon, which is no stranger to high-velocity, massive impacts. The moon, when you just look at it, it's apparent, is a very violent place, and the LCROSS size impact is something that just happens once a month, whether we're there or not. The LCROSS team is diligently preparing for its one shot at solving the water mystery. But how can you study a colossal crash in space before it happens. Well, remember Pete Schultz and his 30-foot vertical gun? He's about to simulate that critical moment of impact. His team members load a tiny projectile that will stand in for the empty rocket stage that Elcross will throw at the moon. Then they watch what happens inside the chamber. Cameras will film the action at thousands of frames per second. When the simulation is slowed down, the beauty and complexity of it becomes apparent, giving a glimpse into the delicate, trumpet-shaped curtain of dust scientists hope to see. Oh! And what we see here is the, the impact actually occurring, the first moments when it transfers the energy. So now we can, we can actually see the debris coming out of the crater. There'll be material that's gonna be heated inside the crater, and that also might release some of the water ice if it's there. But how will they be able to tell if the actual lunar dust curtain has water in it? Well, in this lab, LCROSS team members are using inexpensive drugstore supplies to help them answer the question. So when we're looking at the ejecta cloud dust from LCROSS, the sun will be hitting it at a specific angle. We need to understand how the dust will reflect and scatter that sunlight into our instruments to make sense of the signals our instruments will be giving us. Here, the sun rotates in an arc of 180 degrees through baby powder, a substitute for precious, real lunar dust. 
So by looking at the dust here today, we get a baseline, we get an understanding of exactly what we should see if there's no water. Now, when we make the measurements from Alcross, we can take these, understand exactly what a dry state should look like, and compare them to what we observe. And if there is water trapped in the lunar dust, spectrometers on LCROSS will detect it from specific frequencies that are emitted or absorbed from the illumination by the sun's light. So if we're looking for hydrogen and oxygen, there are specific wavelengths by which that, those molecules will show a spike or an absorbance. And that's what a spectrometer tells you. If uh, we hit a place that has a lot of water, meaning 1% or more, uh, we'll see it real time. And that place is a target crater on the moon's north pole. But getting here will require a symphony of neatly timed events. Two hours after it launches, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter sitting atop LCROSS will go on its way. Then, LCROSS will begin shepherding its lunar impactor, the upper stage Centaur rocket, in two big orbits around the Moon and the Earth for nearly three months. This will be done to steer the upper stage to the impact site and empty it of any remaining rocket fuel that could contaminate the measurements of the lunar debris. And then... Eight hours prior to impact, we let go of that upper stage of the rocket the centaur, and we watch it as it goes in and impacts. When it impacts, it makes an explosion. Eventually, we actually fly through the plume itself, making measurements the whole time, and impact ourselves. Most of the LCROSS team has been with the project right from the start. With liftoff around the corner, the close-knit crew is determined to head off any unforeseen disasters. During flight, we never know what to expect. The spacecraft should operate as it's as designed. But at any point, you might have a problem. All this preparation for just four crucial minutes of data. Good job on that uh, correction factor. We'll start receiving uh, camera telemetry from the spacecraft. We'll actually see the full scope of the moon coming into the field of view as we get closer and closer. As we approach, the reality of all this will really hit because it's no longer a simulation and uh, if all goes well, we'll be making history. NASA is reaching out to amateur astronomers to take part in this historic mission as well, asking them for their images of the pre-impact target site. But water or no water, the mission is already having an impact. With its economy of scale, cost, and fast turnaround, LCROSS is blazing a new path for NASA missions. There's absolutely an entrepreneurial spirit uh, with LCROSS. Throughout, what you're finding are a much smaller team. They understand they have to work within a budget. They behave like a small startup. And if this small, nimble mission does find water on the moon, it would herald a much more profound change in our thinking and in our place among the stars. If we can locate water in one of these permanently shadowed craters and mine it and utilize it, it, it may be incredibly enabling. It may be the element that allows us to achieve a permanent existence on the moon.